Hey, welcome to Stops and Starts, a women's hockey podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Glavin, and this is episode 10. You guys, so the IHF World Championship just wrapped, and it was awesome. It was so much fun. Nice job, Canada, on getting that gold medal back. Absolutely love to see it, and it was a great tourney. Um, as usual, you know, my, my podcast, I kind of just cram it in where I have time, so it's helter-skelter, so um, thanks for bearing with me despite the, you know, amateur uh, situation here. A um, couple things before I sort of get into the detail that I really wanted to make sure that I said was, um, as always, thanks for listening. I do have an um, Instagram page where I try to post to when I post new um podcast episodes so you can follow me at stops and starts on instagram you can also find my podcast on podbean you can find it on apple podcasts and i definitely appreciate any um ratings or reviews so again thank you for listening and those are places you can find me um it was an amazing tournament um you might not feel that way if you're a usa hockey fan uh i would just say take a deep breath you're gonna be fine you got a centralization coming up. Your roster is jam-packed with talent. Uh, don't jump off a cliff. Everything's going to be fine. Uh, USA Hockey, you, you guys are still loaded with talent. Everybody just relax. Um, you know, the recency bias, everyone's just going to, like, you know, pile on the USA in the next couple of weeks. That's fine. That's part of how it goes. But long-term, just, just calm down and relax. Um, the other takeaway from this tournament was, uh, my God, we need a pro league. And I hope that I come back to that later in the podcast. I will. Uh, I want to talk about a bunch of other things first. But my God, we need a pro league, a true best on best pro league, um, a league where overtime means five on five until somebody scores. Um, we need a pro league. This product is so amazing. We need a pro league. That's not to diss the NWHL. Yes, you're out there. You exist. Doing great things. Love the NWHL. But we need a true best-on-best pro league that everybody can afford to be a part of. Um, Okay, moving on. Back to um, talking about this tournament. Um, So, as usual, it was great entertainment. Um, We'll talk about the actual game itself at the end. I just want to jump all over and talk about um, uh, various things about the tournament that I enjoyed. So, the game itself was um, a 3-2 overtime winner for Canada, uh, great entertainment. Women's hockey always delivers on the biggest stage, whether it's um, NCAA college hockey um, or uh, PWHPA. That event in May was amazing, the final. And then this event as well, the final was amazing. So women's hockey always ultimately delivers. Um, and this was was no different. So 3-2 overtime win to win gold for Canada. Amazing. Love it. Um the media coverage for this event was really good. And in women's sports, we always, we are often critical of the media for the the failures that they commit. Um, But in this tournament, they did a really good job. So the challenge for the media is to stick around, um, put your nose into U sports, put your nose into um, NCAA, uh, keep covering the NWHL, the PWHPA, um, follow the international scene like there's there's lots of storylines and content um people who did uh, like an amazing job i thought you know Haley. so i said earlier like i don't think the athletic really know, i don't really understand what they're doing with their women's hockey coverage you know because there's just so little that sometimes it's like ugh, do i even keep my subscription but then like Haley salvian just did a fantastic job 
um, with her articles in particular, just fantastic. Um, and you read that and you think, oh, maybe I should stick around. Um, and also, um, yeah, so so Salvian did a great job. The Athletic had some great articles. Probably the thing I like the most about Salvian's stuff um, is that, she, I mean, there was tons of good things, but something that I liked was just she actually linked to a Christina Rutherford Sportsnet article. Um, and she also incorporated, so like linking to the competition. Um, and then she also included Alyssa Longmere's um, content and work. And Longmere is a kind of like a, an independent, like somebody who kind of came up out of nowhere, not through a big media company. And I personally think that um, to get women's hockey like where it needs to be in terms of visibility, it's going to be an all hands on deck thing. Um, people can't be like infighting and all this crap. Um, so like Salvian kind of like drawing attention to all the different folks who are, you know, putting out content, like it was just really refreshing to see. And, um, in addition to that, just like her, her articles were, were excellent. And, and as were all the, you know, Erica Ayala's article that she published on that, um, on the athletic as well, um, on, on the American perspective. So, um, so that was that. Uh, the NHL Network, you know, even the NHL Network, like they did a couple profiles on, I think they did Abby Rock and they did somebody else. I forget who. Um, they, the guys at the table, they did a bunch of talking about the games. You know, it wasn't just like, you know, what it used to be where it's like the NHL Network would be showing like some dumb highlight show from like 10 years ago. And then all of a sudden it would just click over and there would be a women's hockey game. Like they actually introduced and then wrapped up the games, which was cool. Um, the the there was um, on Twitter, like the Twitter crowd did a great job covering this event. Like it was just awesome. The USCHO message board was going. It was just so nice, um, and it's what you hope to see every single time. Um, TSN did a great job. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a big Tessa Bunham fan, and just it was super neat to see now how they're building up a core of former women's hockey players who can be on the media side, whether it's Jaina Hefford, Carla McLeod, Tessa Bunham, Cheryl Pounder. Um, I thought that, um, like just seeing those guys, it was so awesome. And like, you know, at the end of the gold medal game, like for Tessa Bunham to, you know, um, do an interview with this young kid, um, Sarah Fillier, like it was just really neat to see because it's, you know, somebody from the past who kind of was part of uh, paving the way to where the game is now, interviewing this young person. It was great. Um, I think something like the next step is to acknowledge that, you know, some people who have great commentary on a sport are, are not people who, who played the game at its highest level. So I think that's the next challenge for women's hockey. You know, certainly they're getting there, like with, with, with Haley Salvian's coverage, et cetera, and all those people I said. But remember, Salvian is ultimately, she's an NHL, she covers the NHL, and I think similar to Marissa and Jemmy, that's where she wants to be. So I think the challenge for mainstream media is to figure out, um, you know, they've got the players, the ex-players angle covered from the media perspective. They need to find that person who loves women's hockey and wants to cover it and, and, and is covering it. Trust me, they're out there. Um, and wants to go mainstream. Find that person. It will be an amazing story and it will, it will add a different angle and depth to the coverage of women's hockey. Um, they are out there. Um, so that's something I hope we, we see soon, but, uh, you know, the media, they, I think they did a nice job, um, covering this event. 
Um, Ken Campbell's another one I should mention. He he wrote a profile on Rock. He wrote some opinion pieces about Hockey Canada's roster selection. He did a nice job. Uh, when I woke up after the gold medal game, uh, you know, you wake up and you're like, all right, time to go read this happy news. Let's let's read the write-ups. Uh, Ken Campbell had one out there, lickety split. So good for him. Um, TSN's little intro video. I liked it. I was a fan. I'm a sucker for that stuff. You know, they had a good time being a woman. That little saying itself that they showed at commercial breaks, I, whatever. Um, but the actual song that they wrote, that, that they paired with the footage of the games to introduce each game in the tournament, that was super fun. They did a great job um, pulling up old footage, and pairing it with, um, pairing it with like highlights from the current tournament, and then you know they have this little song and the lyric that that I I'm always a lyrics person, so the thing that stuck out to me there was one. It was something like I do what I want, I do it for me, or something like that. And you know, as a girl power person, I think all that stuff, those mess, it it might feel hokey or whatever, but you got to get that stuff out there for. For uh, young girls to see, to 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 witness and hear, basically women being celebrated. It's a very healthy thing that you would expect from a society like Canada, um, and should expect from the United States as well. Um, so that was my commentary on on the media. Um, so let's uh, move on to oh yeah the rink. The Windsport Rink in Calgary, where this event was hosted, just a gorgeous rink. Uh, loved the filming in it. Loved the pictures afterwards where they were framing up the Canada flag over and over. It was just fantastic. Um, beautiful rink. The one thing that I thought was interesting was, you know, when they do the outside footage, it looks like that rink is pretty far from downtown in Olympic Park. And I'm not really familiar with where Olympic Park is. Um, but it does, you know, I think that like the, inf I mean, just kind of far from downtown, right? So if if we ever get a women's pro team out in Calgary, you know they're going to want to put them in that rink, but there just needs to be some thought to like, and I don't know the answer to this, like how far was that from downtown? Because it did look kind of far away. Eh, just a thought, but beautiful rink. Um, in the, um, so that was that. Um, in the game itself, so let's talk about the IIHF rules. I think everybody who was watching this game well, not everybody. Some people have their act together more than others. When I was watching this game, you know, it goes to overtime. No surprise there. I thought we were going to see like a period of five on five OT and then a shootout. So before they went to, um, before they went to commercial break, right before the, the overtime, like Rod Black, look, ah, and we come back, it'll be three on three overtime. And I was just like, what? And like, I think a lot of people had that reaction. So it was so weird um, because even though like shootouts are not hockey, we've kind of become accustomed to like, okay, at the end of the overtime, we see a shootout. Um, and so like I was mentally prepared for a shootout, but when they came back and it was overtime and it was three on three, it was, um, I was like, oh, and now we're watching a completely different sport. So it was just a little bit weird. Um, the reality is the IHI, sorry, the international game is is a little bit different than what any league might choose to do um, around the world, and so I don't so much have it in me to rail against the IIHF for making this choice to do 
a three-on-three overtime. Um, my guess is that they decided that was better than ending it in a shootout for the gold medal game. Um, and like, if no one could score that three on three overtime, like they would have just done period after period after period. I mean, I had to look up the rules. Um, there was never going to be a shootout in the gold medal game. I did not realize that, uh, weird international stuff in the semifinals or the bronze medal game or placement games, those can end in a shootout, but they've changed it so that the gold medal game cannot. So a few things, one, it's a lot, you just, as somebody who follows the game, you're like, okay, these are more, more things to wrap my head around, which is totally fine. It's not that complex. Um, my guess is that they decided that that was better than doing a, um, a shootout in the gold medal game. So, so that's fine. I don't really have it in me to rail against them. Like it's the international game. They, and they're the one, they're the sanctioner of it. They can do what they want. Um, the rules on the women's and the men's side for the OT are the same. Um, as far as I can tell, but uh, I guess three just three takeaways um, is, uh, you know, A, from a roster construction uh, point, um, the reality is that um, looking at the rules in a semifinal third place game or placement games, you can have a shootout, but then you can't have a shootout in the gold medal game. So from a roster construction perspective, the reality is you need players on your team who can both defend and end it at three on three, but you, you also need players that can score in a shootout because you just don't know what's going to happen and I think whoever has the semifinal against Finland like that game could easily go to um, a shootout so from a roster construction perspective um, you need you need somebody who can score in a shootout still Um, you know and B just interesting how different leagues have different rules Um, and C like this is one reason of many that for like hockey purists who like like the old fashioned um, five on five OT till somebody scores. This is another reason that we need a pro league, right? Like the international game is different here in North America. We like our old fashioned five on five in OT until somebody scores. Um, and, and if we want to be, say that and puff out our chests and say this is what hockey is. Well, hey, guess what? Why don't we make a freaking league, a viable pro league where we can have these overtimes that we consider to be proper so anyway that was that um i wanted to comment a little bit on melody dau and covid rules and stuff like that uh it was really interesting so there was melody dau is the only person on the team i think right now that has a young child um i know that Brianne Jenner's wife is expecting a baby shortly, um, and Mickelson was not on the roster for this tournament. Um, but anyways, so Dow's again, COVID rules, there really wasn't people in the stands, um, except for family. Late in the tourney, um, Dow's wife and her, their, their son, Matteo, came. Matteo's like three years old or something, came, and she was getting to see him through the glass and everything. And uh, it was really cute, but it was also a little bit like, ugh, you know, how long has she been away from this child? Game, she does an amazing job, even though her son's there. She performs like a professional in the semifinal and the final. She is amazing. MVP of the tournament, deservedly so. After the game, uh, and they've had to have this freaking tournament on massive lockdown because women's hockey has been so poorly mistreated that... We haven't had a tournament in two years. We've got our pro scene sucks, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so they've really had to have this tournament on major lockdown because they could not afford to have it canceled due to COVID again. After the tournament, literally, keyword, 
after. Um, they're interviewing Dao, and she's talking about how proud she is to have her son there. What a touching moment, blah, blah, blah. And she goes, yeah, it's a little heartbreaking. I can't touch him yet, and I'll see him tomorrow. The tournament's over. What a stupid rule. Put the kid over the glass and give him to his other mother. Like, yes, he's in good hands with his, um, um, with his mom, um, um, Dao's wife, but, like, just... You know, people will talk about, like, gender issues and when they're present and not present. And, you know, the NHL Stanley Cup final was played in front of a full crowd. Montreal, when the games were in Montreal for the Montreal Canadiens, they didn't have a full crowd. But I forget what their number was. But you looked at the crowd and you'd say, I think that they've exceeded their number. Then you've got this women's tournament over here. You've got a three-year-old kid who's seeing his mother through the glass. The tournament is literally over. Put the kid over the freaking glass and give him to his mom. Like, just seeing stuff like that is just, that is just idiocy. And I sure hope that as soon as the cameras were put away, the kid went and joined um, his mother and didn't wait to the next day. Obviously, the, the people are, it, I don't know, I just, personally, that looked terrible. And, and you, you sometimes you hear these players say stuff and you go, oh my God, you know? Um, you know, Turnbull broke her leg at, at one point, and that's a whole other story. But presumably, they took Turnbull off to a hospital to get her leg assessed. Was she then not, was it like, oh, you're out of the bubble now, you're not allowed to come party with your team? Um, you know, because I, I can't imagine that they did that. And my point is that I don't quite understand when the tournament's over, why this lady had to wait another day to see her child. Just stupid. Um, so that was a rant. Uh, you could talk all day about Dao, but I don't have time for that. And that's kind of why we need a lot of people to keep contributing to, um, women's hockey coverage. We need so many more voices, but just let it be known. Uh, boy, I loved watching Dao. And not that you would never put somebody on a team just because they're a mother. That's not appropriate. But what's really neat about women's sports is that people are different. People have different perspectives, different experiences, different... Uh, um, one person's voice is going to express something differently than someone else, right? And for me as a mom, like to, it is just so... Um, special to get to watch Dao and at the end of the tournament like she's talking about how her son is her reason for why she does the things she does I think men feel the exact same way but they're not necessarily going to express it on national television like that you know and um that's kind of one of the reasons that I love women's sports it's like you're seeing yourself reflected back to you and these are concepts that are well known the importance of them is well known And it's one reason of many that I'm so passionate about making women's sport more visible. Um, But I I just, Dao is so likable in so many different ways. Um, U Sports is so proud that she's a product of McGill University. Um, And she's fought through a lot, injuries, etc. And just what an amazing tournament by her. What an amazing ambassador she is and role model for moms. Um, When... (sighs) When poor old Blair Turnbull, who had a great tournament, got her freaking ankle snapped in the celebration pile, of course it was the mommy that recognized what had happened and dragged Turnbull out of the pile. Now, you know, that's how I'm choosing to look at it. Maybe it was Dao that snapped her ankle. I don't know. But anyways, um, big fan of, of Dao over here. That's the point. And also not a big fan of a tournament being over and a lady still not being able to hold her child. Um, you know, okay, so Turnbull, <sighs> great tournament. Um, 
I think she broke her ankle in the celebration. Ah, that sucks. Um, this is a thing that happens in sport. I've never seen it happen in hockey. Um, in the 2007 national championship game for football, NCAA, I remember watching Ohio State and, uh, my, I'm not really don't care about football, but my husband is a football guy. So we were watching it and Ted Ginn Jr. Uh, like returned a kickoff for a touchdown to, to start the game. And everyone got all hyped up and excited and like wrecked his ankle in the celebration. So this is a thing that happens and uh, sucks. Um, I hope Turnbull heals up and is back because she played great. Switching gears a little bit. What the heck happened to Abby Rock? How come she didn't play in this tournament? She led, she, she led all Americans with 11 points in the PWHPA event in the spring. There was two PWHPA events, remember? Um, a series for the Americans and a series for the Canadians because they weren't allowed to cross the border. Abby Rock looked amazing. And then we came to the international tournament and they just didn't utilize her. You know, was she injured? Did something happen off the ice um, that made her uh, not be able to perform? Um, is there a character issue? I'm not suggesting that there is, but when stuff like this happens, you're like, what is going on? Um, does she not have the speed to play at this level? I mean, that is that is one play at this level yet, I should say. Um, that is one thing. That's a fair question because the PWHPA event, while great hockey... Um, you know, it wasn't as good, you know, uh, team Minnesota versus team New Hampshire is not the same as team USA versus team Canada. Um, team Calgary versus, uh, team Montreal is not the same as Canada versus the USA. So that's a relevant point. Um, something that was, so if you're a rock fan, it was disappointing how little ice time she got. I think that she, with the ice time that she got, she did good things. Um, and I would have expected more ice time for her as the tournament went on, but instead we saw less and less and less until Rock was last two games. She got zero minutes of ice time. Um, perhaps there's an explanation for it. Um, and reporters asked Joel Johnson about it, but he didn't want to talk about it. And he, he kind of just, I don't know, just didn't want to talk about it. Um, so, you know, we'll see how his like media interactions go um, in the future, but that was just kind of weird. Um, a lot of media invested a bunch of time in hyping Rock prior to this tournament. Uh, a lot of, lot of kind of big media outlets. Um, and then smaller media outlets have been talking about Rock for literally five years. And so when you consider that she did so well in the recent PWHPA event, when you consider that she is a national champion from um, Wisconsin and played a major role in them winning that 2019 title, um, I think she was a top three Patty Kaz finalist. Like, it's a, it's a very fair question to say, hey, this lady was on your roster and then you didn't use her. So kind of crappy that the U.S. didn't give an answer to that question. Um, it just... You know, when you see enough of that stuff, it's kind of like, like everything, I'm always like, let's just grow women's hockey, grow women's hockey, grow women's hockey. And sometimes there's great big challenges, like figuring out the funding. And, and like other times there's smaller challenges that when we can't solve those small challenges, I'm like, God, what are we even doing? Like, 
the media is here. They're interested. They want to know why this supposed next one didn't play. Like, just answer the question. Um, my two cents or my two dollars on that. Um, as you know, uh, watching these games is always, well, you probably don't know this depending on who you are, but, um, so I am a Canadian American. My kids are American. Obviously I was born and raised in Canada. Um, and as somebody who cheers for the growth of the game, you know, Canada getting their butt kicked for the last nine years, of course I was cheering for Canada. So, um, I say that because we're now going to just bring in a little, uh, if you're going to give a Canadian angle, you need to talk you know, you got to bring in some Canadian culture, right? So, um, uh, one of the things, this is, what's his name? Gord Downey, the tragically hip singer. He has since passed away, but he's a great Canadian. Um, and he was a hockey fan. Um, and one of the things that was neat about him was that he talked about how, what, you know, what does hockey give you? And he was a Bruins fan. And I guess that one of the things that hockey gave him was that, he apparently used to talk to his brother every single day. Um, I don't think his brother like lived in the same town as him, but as grown-ups, they talked every single day, and they talked about hockey. Um, and I just remember hearing this interview by Gord Downey, and you know, he was talking, like, hockey's not perfect. There's a bunch of terrible things that, um, about it, a bunch of terrible things about any sport. And he, um, but there's also really, really, really good things. And I think that, again, if you're a steward of the game, you're trying to like enhance those things. So... Um, endless setup. My apologies. During the game, <laughs> halfway through the second period, when Canada was down to nothing, I called my brother and I just started raging. I'm not, you know, I'm just like, not raging, but like, God, is Canada going to lose this game after that butt kicking they did the other day? Um, and then, so we chatted for a while and then, uh, we were texting during the game. And then like, I called him after, I think I called him for the overtime is that right? No, we were texting for the overtime. Then I called him as soon as Canada won and I couldn't get through because he was calling me. And then eventually we connected and we chatted. Um, again, like when you talk about the things that just are so nice that hockey gives you, this is, this is an example. Um, and I might on occasion text with my brother about, um, NHL, um, if a game is happening. Um, but very rarely, but like with the women's hockey like obviously that's where my passion is and and again I just come back to like how nice it would be if there was a pro league and 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 you know all the wonderful things that hockey has to offer just finding a way to get that stuff into the women's game so that people can enjoy all those things on the women's side um so when I look back on this game, you know, um, just watching this game and experiencing it as a fan, certainly that was something that I enjoyed was, um, chatting with my brother because like a lot of people, probably I just don't pick up the phone enough or what have you. Um, so, um, so that was, that was fun and, and he did a nice job just listening to me rant, <laughs> which is like, uh, not even, just, you know, so that was just, it was just nice. Um, Okay, now let's talk about the game itself because we're at 27 minutes and it is also 7.15 and I have children to get on the bus. Um, okay, so the game itself, what a great game. Uh, the So Carpenter and Kessel's line, Carpenter scored two goals. Uh, one was at um, even strength, one was on the power play. Um, I think it helped those guys to get moved down the depth chart. Um, and I also think that like, um, you know, to see Kessel be on, on for a goal for on the power play, I mean, that's kind of, 
their old style of power play where they kind of move the puck around and get it down low. Like she, she was always very good at that. Um, you know, she, if, you know, and she shoots right and she plays on the same side on the power play that Zumwinkle likes to play. So if they're going to move to a Zumwinkle power play, like Kessel doesn't really have a spot, but in this game and late in the tourney, Carpenter and Kessel got going and good for them. Canadian goals. Oh man. Brianne Jenner, again, such great performances from so many Canadians, top to bottom win. Um, and you could talk about so many different players on the Canadian team. Brianne Jenner, what a freaking game. So Brianne Jenner in the second period scored a power play goal. Uh, they got the power play because someone on Canada, good for them, worked the refs a little bit. And I don't know what Decker was doing on the faceoffs, but she was doing something illegal. And they worked the refs, and Decker got a penalty, and they scored in the ensuing power play. Now, if you're like, oh, Canada, don't work the refs, blah, 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 blah. Mm -mm -mm. Remember the 2019 gold medal game where frickin' Finland won the tournament, and then the United States whined to the refs and got the goal overcalled? It's a part of hockey. So good job, Canadians, for working the refs. Um, so, on the, so Decker's in the penalty box, and... The goal was a beautiful goal, and who's on the ice? Jenner, Daou, um, Fillier, and, you know, I forgive me, I don't know which Canadian um, defenders it was. Um, it might have been, might have been Larocque, but I'm not sure. But anyway, just a nice goal. Um, so much patience from Fillier in uh, moving the puck around, skating the puck around, um, passing the puck, eventually taking the shot, and then Jenner banging in a rebound. Second goal. Uh, so they're down 2-1. And I watched the replay this morning and you just have to laugh because the second goal was right off of face-off and Decker was in the um, face-off circle. But now she's, they've kind of frozen her. They got in Decker's head this tournament. They've kind of frozen her. Decker's like afraid to move on the face-off. And meanwhile, Poulin's feeling good. And she's like, you can tell Poulin has a bit of movement on the face-off. So Poulin wins the draw uh, to Jenner. Jenner has an amazing release, and she can score right off a draw. So I'm not really sure what happened. The coverage by the Americans on this play was god-awful. Um, but the, Canada has like a... We saw it in the PWHPA event where on the face-off, uh, it was Nurse winning it to Jenner, Spooner tying up the defender and the winger, Jenner scoring... Um, right off the face-off. So I think the Americans thought that that might have been what the Canadians were doing um, because absolutely nobody covered Jamie Lee Rattray. So what happened was Poulin won the puck to um, Jenner. Decker was frozen on the face-off. Uh, all the Americans rushed at Jenner. Rattray went to the front of the net. And what does Rattray do? Rattray scores goals. Like, that's how you sum her up. Um, so Jenner, so it was pulling to Jenner, Jenner out to the point, LaRock let go a bomb, and Rattray tipped it in 2-2. Love it. Here for it all day. Um, 2-2, and this is where, you know, you, you, you talk about these, these women's hockey players. You've now got a 2-2 game and a gold medal game going into the third period. Um, the Canadians have battled back from, from being down 2 nothing. um, they, these guys' product is so amazing. Again, as a Canadian, I have a responsibility to talk about how does this impact the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's what you do when you talk hockey. Well, let's talk about Toronto Maple Leafs. Let's talk about the last game that they played. 
Game seven against Montreal in the playoffs. Should have been a great game, right? No, it was boring, boring, boring. They lost 3 nothing. Um, there is, and like, I don't mean to beat up on the Maple Leafs. I, I really don't. I, I really don't. I hope they make it past the first round in the playoffs at some point. But my point is just, there is great hockey being played at the women's level. They always deliver in the gold medal game. Always. Um, there's parity issues further on down. We can talk about that in a minute. But, like, these women have such a good product and they just deserve so much um, in terms of visibility. So 2-2 going in a third. Great job in the third. Lots of chances. Um, great job by Nicole Hensley and Nat for the Americans. Great job by Anne-Renee Desbiens for the Canadians. She didn't have a great start to the tournament, in my opinion. But, boy... She was the right choice for this gold medal game. She played fantastic. The game went to overtime. Again, overtime, three on three. Woo, new world, new sport. But if you're an American, like, don't worry. Like, don't get too upset about this loss, you know? Like, there was a lot of good chances for the Americans to win in overtime. There was one play where Savannah Harmon on D for the Americans. She had the puck behind the goal line for the Americans and she gave a nice stretch pass and hit um, Decker at the offensive line, blue line. Decker went in, did like a little spinorama. Decker could have scored on that. Murphy could have scored in overtime. Um, the, um, the Americans got their chances and we could just as easily be sitting here freaking out about the Canadians not getting the gold medal. Just as easily. Um, so the three on three could have gone either way. Um, but it didn't. Uh, Marie Philippe Poulin, of course, Jenner again involved on the goal. What a great tournament for Jenner. Uh, Jenner, uh, Jenner and um, so the Americans went down and got a chance. I think they were gassed. Uh, two of the three players that they had on the ice, Knight and Bozak, are not the fastest uh, players. Uh, they were all gassed as well. Uh, Jenner and Poulin coming back on the rush. Jenner to Poulin. Poulin snipes game over but not quite because it's women's hockey so the ref did not catch that the goal was in the net so the game did not end until like a few seconds later while they did the review upstairs while the play went on but again Jenner unreal Poulin unreal um I could talk all day about this tournament that it was just so much fun to watch and uh it was just just so good um so credit to everybody who made it happen and was part of making it a great event. Um, I just want to switch gears just a quick couple minutes on talking about pro leagues. Um, we need we need a, a pro league, um, a viable pro league. The NWHL seems to have laid somewhat of a foundation. Credit to them for that. And they have investors from people who don't get sung um, as supporters of women's hockey. Um, but there are some people who are putting significant dollars into women's hockey in the NWHL. The Boyntons um, are known. Is that his last name? The group of investors that purchased. Um, so are known is he's the Boston guy, I think. Um, the group of investors that purchased um, the Connecticut Whale. Um, so then there's... Um, some other group and I don't I don't know their names without researching it but the guy's like also an owner of the Texas Rangers um and I and you know like there's people putting money in and and those guys are worthy of acknowledgement that's what I'm trying to say um 
So investors are starting to pay attention. Philanthropists have always kind of been working away, chipping in to women's hockey. Um, I believe the gentleman's name is Dan O'Neill, who used to work for Molson uh, way back in 2002. He's the, the biggest philanthropist who has contributed to Canadian women's hockey in history. Um, he provided a ton of support for that 2002 Canadian women's national team. A ton, like six figures of support. So, um, so we've got investors, we've got philanthropists, um, and guess what? Sponsors are starting to show up, um, in, in women's hockey, the marquee, there's a bunch, but the marquee ones are discover who did the million dollar around million dollar contribution to the NWHL. And on the Canadian or on the PWHPA side, it was secret who gave around a million dollars. And there's a whole bunch of other one. Women's sport is starting to attract this sponsorship money. It is so imperative that women's hockey gets its act together um, so that they are ready to um, meet with these sponsors, pitch themselves to these sponsors, and get some of this money coming into women's hockey. But if you're a sponsor, you want to put your money into a product that is visible. And... Um, Sarah Nurse, who's an incredible ambassador for women's hockey, she speaks her mind. She calls it like it is. Sarah Nurse has said, look, the lack of visibility, canceling tournaments, not having tournaments, not being allowed to practice together because of COVID, even though the men do. She goes, all this stuff is costing. She's like, I lost sponsors over this stuff, you know? So in my opinion, actually, one more thing before I start talking about the federations. Just last week, Michelob Ultra, good for them. They announced that they're going to invest $100 million over five years into women's sport. Now, that doesn't mean they're $100 million in salaries to women. No, it's their media campaigns are going to, you know, in, involve women. There are going to be people that they're going to hire um, to, you know, to be the face of a campaign. So that person would get direct money, of course. Um, but they're dumping $100 million into like gender equity in sports. So here's an idea. How about the federations and the leagues that exist, the NWHL, the PWPHBA, I get it. You're busy with the Olympics. You get a pass till the Olympics are over. But when the Olympics are over, women's hockey absolutely must get its act together. It, enough is enough. The first world championships was 31 years ago. We've had numerous iterations of air quote pro leagues. Um, and here we are finally to a spot where there's investors, there's a history of philanthropists, there's a culture that says we need visibility and representation. The sponsors are showing up with their buckets of money. Like, as we, we know in women's hockey, we're tiny compared to other women's sports, basketball, um, basketball and soccer are the obvious ones. But even like lacrosse, like lacrosse is coming out of nowhere. Volleyball is coming out of nowhere. And they're like surpassing women's hockey in, in, in visibility. Does this make sense? I don't think it does. We need to get our act together and start acting as a team. Um, it's wrong at a certain point. It's just wrong. Um, I do think, you know, every time I say USA Hockey in Canada, Hockey Canada should be involved in the league, people push back and tell me, you know, it's not a charity, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, they work with the NHL. They partner with the NHL. The NHL wanted to grow hockey in, in the United States. So what did the NHL do? They went to USA Hockey and laid out how they could help and now we have a, a national team development program um we have that college hockey inc that promotes ncaa men's hockey um that's a whole other story so like i just don't understand why usa hockey and hockey canada cannot be a part of a pro league for for women's hockey um over on the nwsl side the federations are involved the nwsa the nwsl was founded by the federations in mexico 
Canada and the United States. So like there's money out there. Um, there's people who want to grow in sport, but it's difficult for those people to do that and to bet on women's hockey players if the women aren't visible, if they're not endorsed um, by a valid and established organization. And just if people don't have their act together, period. And I don't want to just say have their act together. Like this is a non-swearing podcast, but like get it together, women's hockey, you know? Um, anyways, and, and I get it. Like there's a ton of people doing their very, very best. I get it. But like we need to keep pushing ourselves to be better. I'm going to end this on kind of a somber note. One of the beautiful articles that was written, it was a long form article by Christina Rutherford. Um, about Anne-Renee Debia. Great article. It really had some funny points. I guess when Mark Johnson went to recruit um, Anne-Renee Debia many, many years ago, she played in some crazy league with boys and fights must have broke out and like literally the Royal Canadian Mounties showed up, which is hilarious. And maybe there was some hyperbole there, but I would not be surprised if the police showed up at a, at a, at a hockey game. So that was funny. Um, but, and you should go read that article. It's great. Um, but there is a really sad quote in this article where Debian talks about, she was about 15 years old and she got invited to some women's hockey, girls hockey camp to try out for some team. And she's like, I was 15 years old and I didn't, I didn't know. I went there. I thought only like a hundred girls played hockey. I had no idea all these girls played hockey. That's really sad. And I've heard quotes like that from other people. And Renee Debian at age 15 in 2009 didn't, she didn't realize that she was one of tens of thousands of girls hockey players, probably one of hundreds of that. There was probably more than a hundred thousand girls playing hockey across the world by 2009. But the visibility is so crappy that Anne-Renée Debien did not know that and thought she was one of the only girls in the world that played hockey. That's sad. And that's one of the biggest reasons that we need to get a viable pro league so these ladies can be on TV and visible all the time. Okay, enough. Stop talking, Lindsay. All right, have an amazing day. Thank you for listening, and uh, college hockey's up next. Cannot wait. We're not in a dead zone until February Olympics. College hockey starts in about three or four weeks. Enjoy it. All right, thanks for listening. Talk to you later.